Hello guys, today I'm going to read chapter 26 of The Shakespeare Stealer. So here I go. And then my failing arms stuck something solid. I had no idea what it was and cared less. My hands clutched it. Something grasped my chin and lifted above the surface. I spilled out a pig full of water and began to breathe again. Don't struggle now, a voice said, sounding distant and muffled by to my water-filled ears. Try to relax, the voice of Mr. Arnold. Kick your legs gently. I was accustomed to obey his instructions, and I obeyed now. Good, keep kicking that way. There were more voices then, and the hands of both Bullshooks snatched at our clothing and dragged us over the side of another weary boat, and which had apparently seen our plight to come to the rescue. Then, when I had coughed up a portion of the river, I sat up and looked about. Mr. Armand sat next to me breathing heavily, water streaming from his hair and clothing. In the bottom of the boat, our weary hand was stretched out unmoving. Is it drowned? I asked stiffly. No, said one of our rescuers. More's the pity. It swads like him give us a river man in bad name. Well, he won't any longer, Mr. Armand said, for his boat's gone to the bottom. He pulled his purse from inside and drenched the doublet, took out two shillings, and pressed them into the unconscious man's hand. As agreed, he said. When our feet were on firm ground again on the north bank, we stood looking up and down, wondering what to do next. Have you any notion of where Nick is likely to take the book? I can as taking it to who, but I don't know where, I don't care which and where. Mr. Armand stared at me sternly. I'll ask you explain all this later. You, for now, I'd be content to get back the book. Do you think someone hired him to steal it? I, an, a man called Queen Falkner. The man who quarreled with outside the globe that day, Mr. Armanotti. He's not a Londoner, is he? Nay, he hailed from Letisier. He frowned thoughtfully. Letisier, is it? And you think he'll go there now? Most like. As not short linger once have got what he uh, wants. He'll be leaving by the way of Aversgate then. Perhaps we can catch him off. Come. He shifted Nick's rapier, which had somehow retained through our ducking in the river, and he strode off. I had been the, in the process of unstrapping the protective plate. I yanked it off and hurried after. Though I was free of that discomfort, it I had the suit of a clammy clothing to hinder. In addition, I was close to exhaustion, exhaustion, and 
from my trouble from the river. Still, I trotted along the silence, not wishing to do or say anything. Erixum, my position was precarious enough already. I'm sorry to be missing you part of the play, I said at last. Don't manage without you. This is more important. Does it matter so much and one company decides decides uh, yours puts on the play? Decide ours, I was about to say. But I didn't know whether or not they would still count me as part of the company after this. Of course it matters. It's wrong. No one has the right to the fruits of another labor. Oh, I said, I never thought of it that way. Besides, there are other concerns. Suppose this, what, this, what did you call him? Faulkner. Suppose this Faulkner sells the play to a printer who publishes it and it has registered. Now the Chamberlain's men lose all legal rights to perform it ourselves. Oh, I didn't intend. We sir, we generally delay publication as long as possible. Some companies care little for re- registrations or rights, and to print the play is the same as saying, "Here it is. Welcome to it." Yet, if we don't publish it ourselves, someone will set the pirate pirated version. It's a tricky and unfair business. I, I see that now. I felt more ashamed than ever of the part I'd played in the whole affair. I wanted to believe that we still might retrieve the playbook, but knowing Faulkner, I did not hold out much hope. Even if we did catch up with him, he was not likely to just to apologize and hand it over. By the time we reached St. Paul's and turned on to Aldergate uh, Street, I was sweating and trembling as if in, in the grip of awe. But the gate in sight, but with the gate in sight, I managed to push myself a, a, yet a little further. I wrapped Lilith's Baker sat by the gate. Mr. Armin touched and dropped a shilling into the man's filthy hat. We want to know if you've seen a certain man classified here. Describe him, Gage. As tall and swarthy, with a black, unworthy beard and a long scar on one cheek. A wears a dark cloak with the hood drawn up and with will have grown a horse most like. The beggar squinted thoughtfully, then shook his shaggy head. Not as I recall, and I've a good eye and a good memory. We'll keep your com- you up company a bit then, Mr. Armin said. The beggar waved us away. You'll have some you'll have to sit some somewhere else. No one gives out to a beggar with well-dressed friends. We sat on the far side of the gate in the shade of an overhanging tree. I was grateful 
for a chance to rest at last, but it did not rest for long. Before five minutes went by, Beggar tossed a pebble at us to draw our attention and jerked his head down the street. Beggar did indeed have good eyes. It was several moments before he saw the dark cloaked figure leaning, leading a horse and and the very figure I had been hoping, yet dreading, to see. I scrambled up, prepared to run. It's him. Mr. Ottoman held out a hand to steady me. Patience. Let's not frighten him off. He sat there, seemingly calm, until Falconer was nearly to the gate. Then he rose quickly to his feet and blocked Falconer's path. Falconer did not appear in the least surprised or alarmed. Uh, I thought we might meet again, he said, in that deep, lift voice. Really, Mr. Arlen replied, I'd rather hoped we might not. Oh, I did not take you for a coward, sir. Nor am I, sir. It's not that I fear you, simply that I don't like you. How scarcely you know me. That may not be in any case. I never liked thieves, and I suspect you are one. Falconer dropped his horse rein and pulled his cloak aside to reveal the hilt of his rapier. No man called me a thief, not more than once at any rate. I did not say you were a thief. I said I suspected it. If I am wrong, I'm gladly tender an apology. He stepped cautiously to Falconer's horse and began to unlace the saddlebag. Falconer drew his rapier. Take your hands off that, or take your hands off of that, or I'll take off uh, for you at the wrists. Mr. Armin went uh, on calmly unlancing on the pouch. I'll just have a look, and we'll see that, and we'll be back. Look well, then, for it will be the last thing you'll see in this world, Falconer whipped the blade and brought it down, not upon Mr. Armin's head, as I feared, but upon the flank of the horse. The animal bolted. Just as suddenly, Mr. Armin's rapier left his side and came to the low low ward before him. To my surprise, Falconer did not set upon him the fierce and ruthless manner he had used to dispatch the band of outlaws. In truth, he seemed most, almost cautious. He tossed back the right edge of his cloak so it would not obstruct his sword arm, and grabbed the other edge of his hand, and with another death movement, grabbed the hem of it twice around his forearm. Mr. Armin seemed cautious, too, recalling no doubt of their previous encounter, in which he had so so easily so an excellent fencing master when it 
came to a duel fought in deadly earnest, I feared that he was no match for Falconer. In such a situation, I'd come to Julia's aid and even Nick's, but this time there was nothing I could do, sort of throwing myself upon uh, upon Falconer's sword. Or was there? What if I were to retrieve the playbook? That was, after all, the reason behind the fight. I dashed through the gate and looked about. Falconer's horse stood alongside the road, a dozen yards off, grazing blithely with no interest of his master's quarrels. But the moment I approached and reached for the saddlebag, he shielded away, making me miss my footing and nearly fall on my face. Whist now! I called and moved in close again. Again, he moved away. The devil take you, I muttered and approached once more. This time, I got firm Portuguese upon the saddle, and then the horse moved, moved. He pulled me with him. He lashed me at me irritably with his tail, and seeing he could not disblock me, be broke into a trot, dragging me along. Clutching the saddle frame with one hand, I plunged the other sat into the saddle bag, yanked out the playbook, then dropped into the hard ground. I limped hurriedly back to the gate to find Mr. Armin Faulkner engaged in hated combat. Stop! I shouted above the clamor of the blade upon blade. Mr. Armin, I've got the book! Let's go! Mr. Armin stepped back and disengaged. You go, Widge. I'm unfinished business here. But there's no need for it now. I've got the book. Falconer pointed the sword at me. Put it down, boy. I've enough to score to sell with you as it is. One score at a time, Mr. Armin said as he closed in again. Stop, I cried more desperately. Please, it's not worth it. Neither man heeded me, and it, if indeed they were, they heard me above the din of their weapons. I could not begin to describe the movements or strategies. So rapidly did they follow one upon the other. Their blades stuck and warded and stuck again with such speed that the eye could scarcely see them. Had it not been for their frantic clashing, that I might have imagined they were not not solid metal at all, but something thin and insubstantial, like elder sticks they fought as with as boys. If only I it could have been so. If only they could have fought as we did until one adversary's weapon broke. But this was a grown man's game, and the winner would not be the one whose weapon survived, but the one who lived. And I thought, clutching the playbook to my chest, that if that if that one proved to be Faulkner, then that would be, then what would become of me. So that was chapter 
See ya later. 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 Bye, guys.